seeds of kindness and compassion that will come back. So even though uh, the basic situation is very egregious, what we're doing to animals and what we're doing to the earth, um, the beauty of the message, I think, really in veganism and, it, and actually in my book, is that it's a very positive situation that we can transform our culture by transforming ourselves. You know, it's an amazingly positive thing. But anyway, I, just to finish my little story, so um, I saw on this beautiful Vermont dairy, I saw the dark side of it. I saw how as soon as these females don't give enough milk, which is pretty fast, like when they're only four years old, <laughs> and they would normally have to be 25 years old, when they're four years old, they're like worn out, or maybe five, and then they're you know, slaughtered. And the babies are stolen and so forth. And so there's this, uh, this idea of humane meat is so ridiculous. But this, the, the uh, brutality against these animals uh, is extreme. It's complete and total. And, um, but I still couldn't question it. And I went away to college. I eventually left college. I graduated. And I ended up taking uh, this long walk to a place called The Farm in Tennessee. Some of you may have heard of The Farm. The Farm was uh, about 1,000 people, mostly from California. They were in Tennessee. And it was about, they were vegans, actually. This is back in 1975. And I ended up there, and I became a vegetarian. That's when I, and it was very obvious, because these were people who were living uh, a, a vegetarian, they were living a vegan life. They didn't call it vegan, because no one used that word in 1975. No one ever heard of that word. but. They ate a plant-based diet. They uh, had the first soy uh, soybean, and and um, and, and uh, they wore vegetarian shoes. I remember this guy said, "We have vegetarian shoes," and I was like, "Wow, look at this! They even have vegetarian shoes on." Good, <laughs> oh, it was like, wow. And um, and so I just being in the in the presence of these people who are healthy and happy and strong. They had about a hundred kids, vegan from birth. You know, that were doing great and. And uh, they would show us, you know, a little bit and tell us a little bit about the, the suffering that animals go through, which I think we all know in the periphery of our consciousness how they cut off the, the beaks of chickens and, and force them into cages and how they steal the babies and castrate all the males without anesthesia and just the whole horrific brutality by the millions against animals. And at the same time, they had this delicious food that we, we could eat and, uh, and they were doing well. So I've never eaten meat again in my life. I just, you know, I think community is so important. I think that's why, like tonight, uh, on the Triangle Vegetarian Society, uh, it's, a it's, a, it's a community. There's a sense of community, and it's really, the only reason we eat meat is because of community, and the only I think the main reason we can get over it is also because of community. It's we help each other, and our example is so powerful, and the, and the, the way we can come together and support each other and create an example of another way of living is really powerful. So, aha, uh -huh, it's 9 o'clock. Okay, so um, anyway, <laughs> uh, and uh, after a few years, uh, I, I went to uh, Korea and lived as a Zen monk there, and I found myself in a community that had been vegan for 650 years, and that was a very powerful experience because in this country, it was still kind of this new thing, but to be in a place where for 650 years, no one had eaten any animal flesh or dairy products or eggs or wore any uh, silk or wool or leather or would even kill a mosquito. You know, where it was just this sense of living a life of kindness and compassion and, and of internal richness, of deepening a connection with the inner uh, light and the inner wisdom, and to live, uh, let that, you know, that's the main reason of living is to um, awaken our, um, our sense of kindness and compassion for all life and to become better and better at living that and spreading that uh, in the world. 
And so um, when I came back here, I, I got my PhD at Berkeley and started teaching college. And I remember uh, after a while, Madeline and I got together and we started traveling. And I remember she said to me, um, well, I, well, what it was was I, I was um, I was reading. I had been reading, you know, for 20 years by this time, in um, in animal rights and vegetarianism and all that. And I kept saying, you know, someone's going to write a book that will give the big picture of this whole thing, you know, because there's this whole side to uh, what we're doing to animals that no one has written about, which is what it does to us spiritually and psychologically and culturally and the whole anthropology of it and what and how how it how it actually exists in us as a culture and what and how it at a deep level affects us. And uh, it's going to be great to read that book. I'm sure it's going to come out anytime soon, you know. And the kind of the years were going by, and finally Madeline said, "I think you, if you want to read that book, you'll have to write it first. <laughs> so I spent five years just doing nothing really other than writing this book, and here it is. So the um, I'm kind of giving you a, some of the main ideas. Um, the, the the rest of it, I'll just I'll just maybe um, end here with just saying that there's. Let me take a few questions. There's uh, a lot in here. I mean, it's an over 300-page book, so I can't really do much more than um, skim the surface. But there's some really, I think, helpful ideas in here. For example, about how whatever whatever we see in the world that is the problems that we're facing as a culture that you read about on the news, on see on TV, every single one of those problems we don't seem to be able to solve we are actively inflicting on animals for food. I mean, you know, we are doing, like, for example, obesity is a big problem we can't seem to solve. All the animals are sold by the pound. We give them special feed to make them as obese as possible, as quickly as possible. Uh, osteoporosis is another one. All these animals, especially the females, it's ironic that it's females because it's mostly females that get osteoporosis. And um, we, you know, cows and chickens, especially hens, are, forced into extreme osteoporosis by being forced to overproduce eggs and milk for production. So they lose so much calcium in the milk and so much calcium in the eggs that their bones just break. The, the, down, the cows that are downers are basically, uh, you know, um, have osteoporosis and the same thing with the chickens. So we force osteoporosis on them and we get that. We force these animals to live uh, in very toxic environments. We find, well, gosh, that's happening to us. We force them to eat more toxic food. We find, gosh, our food's getting more toxic. You know, we, we break down their families. We go, oh my God, our families are breaking down. We force them into a lot of drug addiction. Oh God, we have all this drug addiction. And then war and terrors. Oh, we've got all this war and terrors. I mean, whatever we do to them, we we reap ourselves. And we don't, we just don't get it. We don't see that the ancient teachings are saying the same thing. What we all know in our hearts, when you sow seeds, they will you will reap them. And somehow we think that animals don't matter, you know, that they somehow they're like clay or rocks or whatever. And we don't, and we, we all know that they are, that we are animals. I mean, that they have the same basic nervous systems, all the uh, vertebrates, fish, chicken, I mean, birds and mammals have psychological and have purposes. So anyway, I go into that uh, so we can understand uh, these ideas. Um, there's a chapter on hunting and herding sea life, which is really interesting about what we do to, to what's happening to fish. Uh, there's a chapter called The Domination of the Feminine, uh, The Metaphysics of Food, uh, anyway, science, Reduction of Science and Religion, The Dilemma of Work, which goes into what this does to men. A lot, of, a lot of what I write about is what happens to women, because it's mainly the female animals that are most brutalized on, these, on this, in this whole system, and it's, it's essentially 
their reproductive cycles of female birds and mammals and fish that are dominated. And what science has learned to do is to control the estrous cycles of females, and it's in brutalizing these females and their and their and their giving birth and their babies and stealing the babies and raping them and stealing. I mean, what we we are damaging our own feminine uh, aspects so severely that we've disconnected from the natural sense of of the sacredness and beauty of life on this earth. And I think that's why we can devastate this planet and like not care about it really. And so if we are serious about creating uh, a real transformation on this planet, we have to, I think, embrace the vegan lifestyle and, and way of being, which does not dominate the feminine principle, which is so sacred, which we know in our hearts is the most precious thing there is, is this, this nurturing of the of young and caring for them and, um, and that, that quality of consciousness that, uh, that, that just gives of itself in protection. So, so those are the, some, I mean, there's a lot more. There's a whole chapter on what, on called Profiting from Destruction, which goes into the whole environmental toll of animal agriculture. Which, these are all things, of course, that need to be understood. Chapter on, um, called Some Objections Answered, because people always have a whole series of objections to these ideas, They'll, you know, that they will, uh, you, you hear them all the time. <laughs> well, Jesus ate fish, so it must be okay, or, you know. Plants have feelings too, so I'm just going to eat as many animals as I want because of God. You know that carrot screaming just as much as the chicken, and you know, and whatever. So I have, um, I really discuss these objections and where they actually come from, and so it's a good book to give to people who want to understand what it's all about. You know, why is this? And I think even for ourselves to understand. And then the last few chapters um, go into, like I said earlier, why this this understanding is so positive and why. We, why it, we're in a very positive position, even though it looks bleak on the surface, in the sense that you know the, the, the suffering that we're causing to animals is absolutely mind-boggling, and to each other, and to the earth, and to future generations. I mean, the kind of seeds we're sowing, but the the realization that all of this is really a result of our cultural, the practice of eating food, and the cultural programming that goes with that is amazingly empowering and liberating, I think. So um, I'm just uh, trying to give you some of the, the basic ideas in the book. And um, I, you know, it, it's difficult because actually I just finished, for example, uh, an audio version of this book and it goes, oh, it's over 13 hours long, you know, mm -hmm. so like an, I don't, can't do much in a half an hour or 40 minutes. But, but, the, um, but the idea, I think, is to just to begin to look deeply into our culture and to see the structure in our own consciousness and as we do that we can liberate ourselves and then be a force for healing of the world and that that's what our culture yearns for at its very heart and soul and it's not just the animals that we domesticate that are suffering I mean they're suffering by the billions but the wild animals like Madeline's an artist and she paints lots of um, beautiful paintings of animals that we call wild animals they're suffering from all this too. The driving force behind the devastation of this earth is animal agriculture, and, and specifically because it takes so much land to grow the grain and to graze billions of animals so that we can eat them, and instead of just you know, getting the grain, using the food directly from plants. And so it's the driving force behind the loss of habitat for, an, for animals. So uh, I just read recently, for example, that um, biologists have studied the biomass of, of animals, 10,000 years ago, right before we started owning animals and herding them, 
human beings were less than 1% of the biomass of all the animals on the earth. Okay? Today, human beings and our livestock, our owned animals, are 98% of the biomass on this planet. So wild animals have gone in just 10,000 little years from being 99% of the land, you know, of the biomass on the land to being less than 2%. That's what's happened. You know, and and it's the you know it, it's this massive uh, d devastation and destruction and extinction of of the whole web of life, and 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 what we're doing to the oceans is even worse. The oceans are being completely destroyed. So, if we have any sense of caring for the sacredness of life and for the beauty of this earth, and for the preciousness of of life for our children. I think there's nothing more vital that anyone can do than to understand these ideas at a deep level and then to live this as deeply as we can to be the change we want to see in the world, to actually act with kindness and love to all beings, to not ever use another being as a thing. And veganism is nothing to be proud of because it's just our natural human vision looking out of our eyes and seeing beings, which is what we naturally do. Instead of being programmed to see a thing I can manipulate and as an instrument and use and for my own benefit. You know, that's the source of all misery, is, is violence towards others for one's own gain. And so I think veganism is just learning to look with the natural human eye of kindness and respect. And once we begin to do that, uh, we do that for everyone, we can, be, we can create uh, this, um, this blessing that, that I think we all know is possible for us on this planet. So I want to thank all of you, really. I know that this is a really a group of people that you're all already um, understanding a lot of this and, and trying to live it deeper and deeper and, and creating context for this message to spread into the world. And I think there's nothing anyone can do on this earth that's more important and more precious than to spread this message because this is the only message that goes to the very root of the dilemmas that we're facing that the unyielding dilemmas, they are unyielding, they will not yield until we go to the root. And uh, it's amazing how we just avoid, we squirm every which way to avoid this. You know, people talk about global warming and how you gotta change a few light bulbs and get a new car that doesn't use so much gas, but people don't talk about, you know, the, the, what we know, which is that the driving force behind global warming is animal agriculture. And, and it's like that for everything. So. Um, that's what I want to say, I guess, in the short time that we have left after the delicious meal. I'm happy to take a few questions if anyone has any questions, and then, um, you know, we can talk or sign books or whatever. So, yeah, maybe first we can thank Will for a wonderful talk. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to actually go ahead and take the first question. <laughs> uh, and then after we do a few more, then I'd like to uh, just make some brief closing remarks, and then you all will be free to uh, stay and, and look at the merchandise and talk with Will and Madeline and each other. There are some amazing people in this room. I have the pleasure of knowing uh, many of you well, and I'm, I'm so thankful for uh, you for being here and also what you do when you're not here, when you're off doing the other things that you do. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, my question is, you mentioned... <coughs> um, when you first visited the farm, how no one was using the word vegan because people didn't really know what that meant. That was not a word that was in common usage. And I, I know that not everyone knows what that word is now, but I have the feeling that that word is much more widely understood. And I, I wonder if that is a sign of hope uh, that this consciousness is spreading, or if maybe people know the word, but 
veganism and is not spreading and that gets to the speaks maybe maybe you can speak to the wider issue of where are we now uh, at this uh-huh. point in human history are have we progressed since the time that you were at the farm well obviously I think we have progressed the word vegan you know everyone knows that word I mean I it's just uh, in the newspapers without being explained very often now and I think people do realize that the vegan is, is it's a motivation of compassion. It's a word that's threatening, I think, on some level. But there's, you know, it's one of the, you know, if you look at the sale of vegan products, you know, they're just going up. And, and um, so I think there's an enormous interest. I think our, our inherent sanity is, is, is yearning to burst forth. <laughs> and I think as, as um, the pressures build uh, on us, in our culture, the economic pressures, the environmental pressures, and we're realizing that something has to change. The media is the big problem, I think, really, in many ways, uh, because it's still so controlled by businesses and organizations that profit from violence. And uh, I haven't been to a doctor in 30 years. Neither has Madeline. You know, we just don't need to. I mean, you know, we don't get don't get any. We don't even go to a drug store. We don't get any. You know, any anything you know and so the whole the whole pharmaceutical medical complex it's built it's a billion billion billions of dollars invested uh, and the banks are in the background of all that and they just you know you've got to have a reliable steady flood of sick people to keep that whole thing going and in order to do that you've got to feed them very toxic food and a lot and, and animal foods concentrate toxins and so I think um, the whole, where we are really is in this place where it's essential that we, we activate the grassroots um, conversations. And uh, in the rest of the world, I think there is an awakening going, but there's a still, uh, I think this, this people still, in spite of eight years of Bush and the White House, people are still, still on some level look to the United States for leadership on cultural issues. And I think if we, in, in this country, have a lot of, um, we carry a lot of weight. I think if, if, if veganism really takes off here, it'll be much easier for it to take off everywhere else, too. So I think any effort that's made here is, a mul- is multiplied, and I think there's, again, nothing more important than to do that. As far as, you know, if we're going to make it or whatever, you know, I have no idea. I think there has to be some major understanding shift happening. What I'm doing, or what Madeline and I are doing, and, and other people are doing, is um, besides traveling around <laughs> talking about this wherever we can, is um, uh, uh, putting, we're now putting on classes. I mean, people are, I shouldn't say that, people are putting on classes <coughs> on the World Peace Diet in local communities. So if any of you are interested, we have a, a few sheets that describe that. Um, and it's been very successful. Like there's a fellow, in, for example, in Cincinnati, and he's been putting, he's now on, you know, on his third class, and he gets, you know, I guess about 20 people each time. and and they mostly all go vegan, you know, and they, they study the book. It's a six-week class, and they study the book, and like the, the theory and practice, not only the theory of it, the theory's important, but how do you actually do it, and you know, in a group situation, and then there, and some of those people are now giving classes, and then other people are giving classes. So I think if we can just teach each other and spread it that way, and um, you know, to understand at the deep level why it's so important for us to be aware of the violence in our food, and to choose in a different way, to choose food, that's organic and uh, you know there's basically a big difference between foods of violence and foods of kindness and it, as we opt for the for foods of kindness plant-based foods uh, especially if they're organically grown we can um, 
not only change our culture on the outer level, but we really change ourselves. So um, I think a grassroots thing is really important. And I do want to mention also, just so I don't forget, I'm going to be giving a retreat on, on the World Peace Diet, a three-day retreat in Michigan in July. So if anyone wants to join us up in um, this beautiful place on a lake in July, you know, it's uh, with lots of vegan organic food, and we'll go more deeply into these ideas along with meditation and some spiritual practices too. Um, we have a sheet that describes that, but that's uh, something else we're doing. But I think uh, it's really up to us to make it happen. I don't know where we are in the whole thing. I mean, sometimes I think it things are looking up, and sometimes I think things are not looking up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's what I'd say on that. Maybe one, okay, yes. Yeah, I like to keep it nice and simple, you know. I don't like to get caught up with too many words. They confuse me. What I got out of what you what you had to say was that we're really not getting away with anything, and the uh, the beings that we commit atrocities against are uh, getting back at us. Uh, but there is a way out, you know. Yeah. And uh, it can, it starts with veganism. So that's the way I understood what you had to say. I don't know if that's uh, accurate, is it? Actually, you know, it's true. The um the essential principles are pretty simple. It's very simple, but the the way it it uh, to, to really understand it in depth, though, it's so interesting to see the incredible complexity of the of the reverberations of our meals as it goes in through all of our cultures, uh, through our religion, through education, uh, through the family, through government, uh, through um, science and medicine. You know, it's it's to understand, you know, and the kind of like what our body's really designed to eat. That's a big thing. A lot of people think, well, we're designed to eat meat, you know. And so to really understand, I have a whole chapter in here called the intelligence of human physiology. To really understand, well, what what are we actually designed for, actually? And to really look at that in depth. So, even though it's simple, uh, there's lots of angles. There's so many angles, and, and I think it's really helpful to understand all the different little angles and nooks and crannies because people will bring them up. And people say, well, what about the Indians? And what about all these different things. So it, it, it's simple, but it's in a way, it's like to me, I've been studying this full time for 35 years, 33 years, and I still find I'm learning more every day. You know, it's, it, it's so much more to learn. I mean, and, and as the movement evolves and changes, we have new challenges, this whole new thing with, uh, with happy meat, you know, that, that's bringing a lot of new challenges. So we've got to like really keep uh, evolving, I think, and I know that this thing um, is evolving. Yeah, maybe one more question, is there any, or are we <laughs> everybody happy here? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what do you say to people that might have a What about, okay, so the question is, what about people who say uh, the food is free range, or it's happy, or the animals are well treated? Um, I think, you know, the, the, one of the things I would say in answering these, these kinds of questions is, that it's important to tune into the person, you know, because it's not, I don't think there's really a one-size-fits-all answer to see where the person's coming from and what actually comes out. I wish there was this, like, one thing you could just say to everybody and we just get them. But I think one thing that people do realize is that um, 